0: Welcome to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast for women who want to experience intimate relationships and sex that are pleasurable and passionate, happy, thriving and deeply fulfilling. With my very special guest experts guiding lights and pioneers in their specialist areas, we'll be breaking down the myths, exploring the difficult stuff, the good stuff and seeing what's possible for love, sex and intimacy at this time of rapid change. In these candid and intimate conversations, I'll be bringing you the best of sex and relationship education, full of practical ways to support and inspire change in your intimate life. I'm your host, Sarah Rosebright. Whether you're curious about what's possible or you're already committed to exploring, I'm so happy you are here. if you want to find out all about orgasms then you're in the right place as this episode I talk with orgasm expert and self-confessed pleasure nerd Mangala Holland and Mangala is going to share her definition of orgasms and how it differs from the mainstream understanding she talks about the difference between orgasms and orgasmic states the different types of orgasms and so so much more and so I really do hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Welcome to this episode of the Sexy Life Podcast, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Mangala Holland. Welcome.
1: Hi Sarah, thanks for, thanks for having me on.
0: Um pleasure. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. And I'd love for you to start by telling the listeners a little bit about you and what you do.
1: Uh, Yes, so I am a women's sexuality and empowerment facilitator, coach and mentor. Uh, I've been in this world quite a long time, like been on my own journey with pleasure and sexuality for around 13 years. And I've been teaching in this space for coming up for a decade. So I've been been around the block a few (laughs) times. Um, I am originally from the UK and I have a background in the corporate world and in my late 30s I realised I was completely burnt out so I took a year off to travel and ended up spending about 12 years overseas. So I moved back to England in the middle of the pandemic and um, and I'm now settled just up the road from you in <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: Fantastic and so tell me a little bit about your journey with sex and pleasure so you talked about Mm. being burnt out so 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 I'd love to hear what's what happened for you
1: yeah so I mean back in the day you know this is it was a very different version of me back then I was I was a full-on party animal as many of us were (laughs) through the 90s and into that first decade of you know into the 2000s um yeah full-on raver basically and I was also working in the corporate environment I was working in stockbrokers and legal firms and I was, it felt a bit like Alan Partridge I was traveling all over the UK for my job and staying in hotels most of the week and then coming home and then just partying all weekend and leading this weird double life um which I managed to do for a very long time and then that's eventually I hit burnout with that it's like it just became really unsustainable and um felt like my body was screaming at me and saying you can't keep on doing this and as I kind of started to sober up and come out the other side of that experience I just realized I'd spent that I was just completely disconnected from my pleasure and my body and um I had so much shame around my sexuality um some of that was from my my upbringing and my dad was very open-minded about a lot of stuff but he'd been brought up as a Catholic and was still holding on to a lot of stuff around that so no sex before marriage no boys uh, all this kind of stuff so I grew up I grew up with these very controlling strict messages around sex and sexuality and pleasure and um and the message was just don't get don't get in trouble that was Mm -hmm. it don't get in trouble Um, so it really put a lot of fear into me and while I was a big party animal I I was just having loads of one night stands and really disconnected and I'd wake up in the morning and be like oh my god who are you what have I done I can't remember anything and um really you know when I look back now it's like there was no how can that be consensual (laughs) I had no concept of what what was good for me and what wasn't Mm. so I I ended up in a lot of very sketchy situations because I just throw myself into things um, because I was drunk or high or whatever Um, and so as I started to um, yeah become a bit more uh, as I started to go on my healing journey and sobered up, and I, I got more into yoga and meditation and spirituality. And I realized as I started doing that, I realized that I just the core of it was my sexuality. That's where my biggest block was. That's where the disconnect was. It was the shame I felt around my body. I hated my body. and um, I just I felt like I'd let so many men just do whatever they wanted to me and and given away my power so much and so it was a a really deep journey of reclaiming my pleasure for myself Um, and during during my explorations, I started to explore more sexuality and neo tantra, um, some of the stuff I was exploring wasn't particularly um, wholesome. <laughs> but at the same time, I did start to make this connection to my body and my pleasure, and I had my first cervical orgasm, and I was like, "Oh my god! You know, everybody, everybody needs to know what this is. You know, this is amazing, and oh my god!" and it really changed the whole trajectory of my life i would say um yeah
0: that cervical orgasm
1: yeah 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 it was like literally another world opened up to me and and it's like oh my god this is what our bodies are capable of it's incredible
0: Mm. tell me about some of the work that you do with women Mm. you've been doing yeah
1: so, yeah, so I work with women and vulva owners, uh, particularly around orgasm and helping them connect to their bodies, explore who they are authentically as a sensual and sexual person, and really, like, helping people get to the truth of that. So, not what society says, not what our partners think, not what not what the experts say, but it's like, what is your truth? Who are you? what's what's your pleasure what are your desires and really helping people explore that for themselves so that they can become orgasmic and multi-orgasmic and explore these deeper powerful states of pleasure and help help people take that into the rest of their lives because it impacts everything it impacts our work our relationships our family dynamics Earning potential, all of it. And so I'm really passionate about supporting people to to do that. Um, mm. So some of that work is one to one. Some of it is in group programs. And I'm also training um, facilitators as well to mm. do what I do. And it's it's just the most rewarding Work possible you know? <laughs> <laughs> like just like, I'm sure like you you know I get to spend all my days talking about pleasure and orgasms and vulvas and things like that and it's it's just to to have clients who can ask things that they've never felt comfortable sharing mm. with anyone before or voicing things that they've kept kept to themselves all their lives it's like it's a huge honor to be able to hold that space for people
0: it's such a it's so precious and so Mm. special isn't it and it never it's never any less than that no matter how many times it happens because you know not having two dissimilar stories a lot of resonances with Mm. your story of partying and corporate life and how sexuality was a thing that was holding me back and so to be part of somebody else's journey on yeah. that liberation from the shutdown sexuality, the shame sexuality that yeah. so many of us grew up with is just such a deep honour, yeah. yeah.
1: Totally, yeah, yeah. And, you know, my clients are all over the world and it's so inspiring seeing seeing them connecting with us, you know, and, I, and I'll and i admit when I, I was living in Australia before I moved back to the UK and I, my, I had a thriving business there and, and when I was like deciding to come back, it was like, oh, my God, is, is England ready for this? Is England ready? You know, <laughs> like, oh, my God, do I, really? And like oh, me, I have to, you know, oh, God, because I had all these like assumptions about how, how shut down people in England are and how, how much repression there is. And while, yes, that's true, there's also like people are really thirsty for this stuff people are really wanting change and I think yeah. if the last two years has shown us anything it's we can't just keep sweeping stuff under the carpet and pretending it's not there
0: yeah and there's been a, a, such a, a huge awakening in this area across the world has not there the last yeah. few years which well I'm sure we'll get on to talk about has got some great stuff but it also has some big shadow around yeah, some definitely. of that as well yeah. um so you so when you talk about the how this um impacts every aspect of your life you you use the Mm. word um the phrase orgasmic confidence is this Mm. what you're talking about with orgasmic confidence
1: yeah totally so orgasmic confidence is the the methodology that i've created It's, it's the roadmap that i use to take people from being disconnected and numb and shut down and not in touch with their pleasure and their sexuality all the way through to experiencing um Beautiful, deep, nourishing, life-affirming, beautiful orgasms. Um, and at the same time, orgasmic confidence, I believe, is kind of a way of being. It's a uh, it's it's a way of being in the world. It's like when we're able to be so fully connected to what works for us that we can ask for that from a partner without feeling mm. with, you know, being able to being able to, to do that, having the confidence to be able to ask for what we want or to know what we want and be able to to discuss it or you know to 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 let go of shame and be able to express yourself in the bedroom Um, but it it does affect every part of your life and i have clients that will say to me like there's one client in particular she's like the conversations with my teenage daughters have really shifted since i've started doing this work and now we're having these really intimate profound conversations and she said like you know, my God, I'm just so grateful they can come to me about this stuff and that we can have these conversations which is, this is so far removed from what she'd experienced as a teen with her mum, this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I've had clients who, one client of mine was really high up in the the Navy, in the military um, and she had to go into these boardrooms where she'd be the only female and she'd absolutely rock it because she was able to be in touch with, you know, her confidence, and she was able to stay in her body and to feel what was going on there, and then to be able to not be intimidated, but be able to ask really, really good questions to get people thinking, and just be able to steer the conversation the way she wanted to, which is it's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful and you call yourself i noticed on the website one of the things is the orgasm queen yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it orgasm queen is it embodiment queen or
1: um, pleasure nerd embodiment queen orgasm queen whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> orgasm queen but i love it yeah. so i'd love
0: to hear how do you define orgasm
1: oh this is such a oh it's such a juicy question i'm glad you asked that and it's It's something that we spend a lot of time in my facilitator training kind of pulling apart because it's it's so much more than just these physical things that, you know, it's way more than just a physical contraction in the body. That's like this, whether that's a peak experience or whatever it is, Um, I really believe in orgasmic states that we can be in orgasmic states. and i've had experiences where i've experienced deep orgasmic states from a really beautiful piece of dark chocolate i've had orgasmic experiences on my elbow i've had you know, just like it's not just a genital thing and and i think we all experience these differently particularly when it comes to uh, like the powerful internal orgasms like g-spot and cervical orgasms like there is definitely um there's definitely some things that happen physically but there's so much more than that and it, it can vary so much for different people and will show up differently um but often what's really interesting in this work is when people are going through like the they've moved through numbness and they're starting to feel sensation and things get more pleasurable and as they're exploring internal, work and internal exploration they'll they'll say things like well I'm not sure if that was an orgasm or not you know and it's I don't know if you've heard that from your clients yeah (laughs) and it's like we've been conditioned all our lives to question what our own bodies are saying you know Uh, isn't that interesting or or I'm not sure if that was my cervix that I touched like well what is making you doubt that you know and it's so much more empowering when you say like, oh what if this is orgasm what if I can then stay in this what if I can play with it more what if those those sens- subtle sensations can get louder what if what if I can stay here a bit longer what if you know and just start to play with different components
0: mm. so
1: it's like, the question you ask is really big <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I think there's no I think all I would say is, is like oh it's ah oh, I'm almost lost I'm almost lost to try and put it into words because it is such a big thing but I, I do believe when we can look at states and experiences rather than just some physical sensations or pulses or contractions yeah in the genitals it
0: yeah. Up a lot. yeah yeah absolutely I love that orgasmic states and you look at the sort of standard medical definition of mm. orgasm and it is just tension of the body mm. and a release of tension, it's pretty much yeah. that's all it is, isn't it? It's so yeah. limited.
1: It is limited, and particularly that doesn't work for so much of the internal uh, orgasms yeah. because they are way less tension based yes um, and need a certain level of relaxation and softness to be able to experience them. And for some people, there can be really strong physical sensations, but for other people, it, it's much more subtle. Um, and this is again where I think it varies so much yeah. from yeah. person to person yeah, yeah. And, um, I, and I don't know how much research has been done on these these more these other orgasms as well you know there's there's so much more to discover than <laughs> what the medical world tells us
0: yeah. yeah yeah that's such a point important point because I think that we as you shared, we've been raised on so many different levels to not trust our bodies or not Mm. trust our own experience and bringing that home to really listening and and building that trust in your body, in your experience and what true is is true for you and what an orgasm looks like for you and how it feels for you and starting from there. So so when you um, have uh, women coming to you around sort of feeling numbness and um not maybe not experiencing orgasms or experiencing orgasms that are maybe not very fulfilling um if someone's listening in that place Mm. what words of wisdom do you have
1: um I always say that we start from where you are and so you know if you're experiencing numbness it, it can be so easy to be stuck in the frustration of that and just like oh this is my body's broken or I'm stuck here and I'm you know it's never going to shift and I've worked with so many people where you know it, it is totally possible to shift it um, and the way I work is we do a lot of work with embodiment, so not just diving straight into genital stuff and trying to fix things from there, but um, really looking at the whole of your, your body and, and finding ways to move your body um, and to explore your body to, yeah, well, firstly, to make sure that you feel safe in your body and that you feel that you can stay there, which is absolutely essential. Um, So many people say, oh, I'm stuck in my head and it's really blocking my pleasure. Um, And so there's ways that I work with clients to help them be able to stay more in the body. And then we start to work with different pathways to pleasure and creating new pathways to pleasure through the body. So it becomes much more about pleasure in, in a wider sense and not just genital, but like what's happening all over your body and what what are the other areas that feel really good and what else in your life is really good and how can you orient more towards joy and relaxation and nourishment in all areas of your life um, because it's all so connected. Um, yeah, so there's, there's so, so, so much. Um, and then, From there, then it's a really what I really love to do is support support clients to go at their own pace to awaken Mm. pleasure um, and giving them the tools and the resources and the support to do that and really meeting them where they're at. So it's not about pushing people over any edges into strong experiences that they can't integrate, it's about helping them increase their capacity steady, steady, slow, steady, gentle. And, and getting them to tune into their truth um, and this is where sustainable lasting change is really possible
0: mm, yeah. yeah thank you that's such lovely to hear for anyone out there listening that you know as, as unfortunately many women do feel their bodies are broken mm. because it, their bodies aren't working in how they maybe think mm. they should work or they've maybe given messages from doctors or lovers mm. or all mm. sorts and just that message alone is so important for some women to hear that nobody's broken
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and you know some of this stuff is you know what we've been messages we've been given from other people and it's not our yeah. it's not our truth and, and i really love to support people in actually finding out well, what is your truth um and to know that change is possible absolutely it is possible And. Um, And if you're doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got as well. So it is sometimes it requires working with someone who can show you some of the blind spots or help you get out certain patterns or habits you've got into um, or just trying new things in a way that feels um, good and doesn't feel too far out of your comfort zone. It's like finding the right the right level with that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, gorgeous. And so. I'd love you to speak as well to the different types of orgasms because you've mentioned mm. g-spot you've mentioned cervical orgasms and and you know often people say to me you know what are these things where do I start do they even exist mm. um, is it even possible for me um, mm. and so I'd love you to speak to that
1: yeah and you know different schools of thought different different teachers will say different things some will say there's seven types of orgasm someone else will say there's 28 you know there's <laughs> there's all different um theories out there um so there's the main ones that we know the ones that are most common is the, the clitoral orgasm which is the one that is typically tends to be the one that is most easily achieved for um for people with vulvas, and that's because it's external and the clitoris has nerve endings that are there just purely for pleasure and nothing else. Um, but the people who experience that uh, clitoral orgasm, there's a a lot of people can only experience that through self-pleasure and not through lovemaking, uh, which is really, really common. And it's also really common that, that people haven't experienced orgasm at all, or, or they used to be able to, and then, then for some reason it stops. Um, and you know, that is, so I really want to normalize that because it can really seem sometimes like there's this, you know, what we see in the movies, everybody's having amazing sex and orgasms and, and that can make you feel even worse if you're not, if you're not in that camp. So I think it's really important to name that. Um, and then in the work I do with clients, there's certain areas inside um, the vaginal canal that we specifically work with, so the G-spot and the cervix being two of the main ones. Um, because those kind of orgasms feel very much more fulfilling to folks. folks. Um, they can go on a lot longer, they can feel more emotionally satisfying and fulfilling. Um, It can feel like a much more profound, deep experience, even spiritual experience. And I've had clients have full visual (laughs) um, experiences, you know, it can get quite trippy um, and almost psychedelic when it comes to cervical orgasms so it's like wow is my body capable of that (laughs) um and then some people will report things like urinary orgasms and anal orgasms and nipple orgasms and energy orgasms and all of these you know there's so many different so many different ways we, we can explore this um and one of the things i would say is like sometimes it's good not to get too caught up in what what where this is coming from it's like if you're exploring something inside and it's feeling good follow what feels good <laughs> and see where you end up rather than trying to get rather than going into your head and going oh what kind of orgasm is this and what you know getting te- too technical about it because yeah. people can get stuck in that as well
0: yeah or oh, it becomes the goal doesn't it i've got to achieve yeah. this and yeah exactly. a lot of stress follows that so, yeah yeah and we
1: have enough of that in our lives already and um I'm a real big fan of getting rid of taking the goals off the table and approaching intimacy and pleasure from a, a non-goal oriented place which can seem very counterintuitive if you've not experienced orgasm or you're not experiencing the kind of orgasm you like to have someone say take the goal off the table it's like yeah that's easier said than done you know i, I really want this <laughs> um <laughs> but it is it is kind of a a paradox when it comes to female pleasure this is where we do need to take the goal off the table yeah
0: yeah Yeah. and um what's your view on vibrators because that's always a big question that I get asked a lot and I'd love to to hear your take on that
1: yeah um so I have a mixed a mixed view. Like I spent a long time in the neo tantra scene, which was and this, the environment I was in was really dogmatic. And it's like you know, vibrators are are the devil. The clitoris is the devil. You know, you should you should only be having these deep internal orgasms, and everything else is not spiritual. Um, and I don't believe that's particularly helpful. Um, and, and I really believe any orgasm is better than no orgasm, and. You know, see what gets you there, and, and start from there. And if that's starts with a vibrator, well, that that's a good starting point. But what I will say is, I have worked with people who've ended up becoming they've had the clitoris got completely desensitized and numb for around six months because of using strong, strong toys with very strong settings. So it can you can get desensitized to these powerful vibrations very quickly. Um, and so, and 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 my clients would say, well, that didn't feel good to me. It it didn't feel nourishing to me. It's like, oh, was I even involved in that? You know, I've just had this this orgasm. Like, was I even there for that? Um, and so if that's not serving you or it's not satisfying you, then I'd say it's it's good to explore something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do want to explore the deeper internal what's, um, orgasms like G-spot and cervical orgasms, they require a lot more awareness of subtlety and sensation. And in order to increase the volume on that, that subtlety so that it becomes enjoyable, um, then just leaving the vibrator alone for a bit can be really helpful yeah. in doing in exploring those and then you know then i also have clients who are like you know i've just had a really shit day at work and i just need a lot of some steam and it's like go go for it enjoy it you know we don't always have time for the the gourmet feast you know sometimes we just need the drive through mcdonald's but yeah. living on drive through mcdonald's is probably not a good thing to do There's so much more we can enjoy than that. So,
0: yeah, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just love it. I just remember when I threw away my Hitachi wand. Do you remember the Hitachi wands that I had many years ago? And um, it was a real moment because it was at that point of really wanting to explore deeper. Mm. And I'd have like multiple orgasms on this Hitachi wand, but it was just so fast. Yeah. And that's what I felt like I was bypassing my body sort of. I knew there was more intelligence in my body to explore and um and but it was quite a thing of letting go of (laughs) that when it had so much pleasure but I knew at that point it was holding me back
1: yeah Yeah. it's almost like it's like just going for a a quick cheap fix you know which is is good and fine all on its own but it's like when you know that if your body's telling you you know what there's more to this yeah and I want to know I want to know myself inside out and know what my body is truly capable of then yeah yeah and, <laughs> and I've I had a lot of clients who like particularly my group programs it's like a lot of them will be like you know I've had this thing for years and it's got all these old memories attached to it and it's made of plastic and you know it's like and it feels cheap and nasty and it's associated with shame and all these things it's like maybe it's time to throw that out and upgrade you know get something that feels beautiful and that feels um sacred and that that you that really feels aligned with who you are now and where you want to go in your life and that can be a really good thing to do yeah
0: (laughs) absolutely and you mentioned neo-tantra there how what what is neo-tantra how would you describe that
1: oh um so i I am also um, a practitioner, student of classical Tantra. So there's, there's, um, and the two often get a bit mishmashed and mm. um, confused with people. And so people think when they hear the word Tantra, they think, they think, sex they think of these crazy workshops they often think of sting I mean when I first heard of tantra that's, it was reading about sting in the newspapers um but classical tantra is mostly developed come from the Hindu and Buddhist traditions and it's very specific um technology um of meditations and rituals that's really about spiritual advancement um and is a very specific um form of spiritual practice and there's nothing in there that is really to do with sexuality unless you're already very very advanced on your path and then there's some there's a few in some of the scriptures there's a few um verses that talk about sexual union but that's really for very 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 advanced practitioners and then neo-tantra is Really came from like Osho in the sixties and seventies, and came more out of those kind of streams uh, from those teachers. And it's really the idea of saying, well, you know, everything is sacred in the in the universe, and that includes our bodies, and that includes sexuality. And so we can we can explore sexuality we can explore sexuality through a spiritual lens. So that's more of the idea, and how that how we see this playing out in the sexuality world today is a lot of workshops and a lot of things like where you've got things like eye gazing and um, yoni and lingam massage and um, heavy breath work and intense practices that are supposed to take you beyond your comfort zone and blow you wide open and all these kind of things so um, there's some good practitioners out there and there's an awful lot of murky stuff out there as well that you touched on shadow stuff before um that that is it it pays to be very very careful who you work with because there's a lot of abuse that happens in those circles and if you're not if you don't know what you're walking into or you work with the wrong people you get pushed over your edges it can be incredibly traumatic Um, and it's not something that i would recommend people to go into if they've got a history of sexual trauma for example things are still fresh for them it can put you further back than on your journey yeah,
0: yeah. and i think it's really important to just sort of highlight you know what you were showing about your approach of going at the person's pace Mm -hmm. and doing things gently step by step and giving somebody time to expand their capacity Mm -hmm. versus getting chucked into the workshop space where you you know and and, you know one of the reasons I wanted to to interview you is I I see you as a practitioner with a, a heap of integrity and you've written a lot about the um tantra world and the um, abuse in spiritual circles and you know you share articles and different things on that to bring awareness to it because that's the shadow side of the growth in sexuality mm. in the last few years and there's there's places where there's abusive and there's places also where that lack of trauma training and all yes. these different things and I've been in that place where I've been pushed beyond my limits and mm really didn't realize because I didn't know the trauma that I was in when I entered the spaces at the yeah, time. exactly. And, and it really did frazzle me out. And I had to sort of walk away from all of that mm-hmm. um, for, for, for my own healing and my own sanity. And, and so it's a huge thing. So, so if somebody's like looking to go out into whether it's Tantra, but also a lot of other sex positive spaces mm. and workshops and different things, um, You've said like obviously if there's if if they're in a place where there's active trauma, that wouldn't be a, a wise wise step. Um, but what else might people look out for in terms of mm. red flags if they or or green flags actually? What would yeah. they look out Yeah.
1: Well, great question. So I think red flags um are the facilitators or their assistants intimate with their participants (laughs) Uh, there's a lot of sex between students and teachers um, and that is a massive red flag to me there's that's a, a clear power dynamic so if if there and there are plenty of organizations and and teachers out there that do have sex with their students and think that that is legitimate and that that's how people heal and evolve um through receiving some kind of initiation through the teacher and um i think that's just abuse and i would steer clear of it um i would yeah ask around but it is it's sticky it's difficult asking around because you know often people say oh i had an amazing experience and then someone else is like that was deeply traumatic for me you know because we're all different so what I would suggest is if you are drawn to something like do some asking around, do some research. Don't just go on a flashy website. um, Because a lot of people are very good at marketing more than they are facilitating. And that's something to be aware of. Um, And to do some asking around. And then I think be really good is to reach out to the facilitator. If you're curious or you're interested, and if you're not sure if that's the right space for you and ask, ask you know ask are you trauma informed and ask and then and if they say yes and ask them what training they've done in that sphere ask them what their experience is ask them what trauma informed means to them this is something I got from a mentor that I'm working with I'm doing some more trauma informed training myself right now and that was one of the things that she recommends saying is you know ask well, are you trauma informed and then well what does that mean to you because that will give you some feedback on as to whether that feels good to you it's I don't think it's enough to be able to be told oh you can just sit 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 this out if you need to you know I think there needs to be more active consent in these workshop spaces uh because it's very difficult to be the one person to put your hand up and say oh I'm not comfortable with this if everyone else looks like they're all right with it um and and you might feel like, oh my god, what's wrong with me? When and everyone else is fine, and some of those other people who look like they're fine might be just doing it because they think everyone else is doing it. It can get really really sticky. So um, some green flags there would be to look for people who really have got a good solid reputation in the industry that they've got good trauma-informed um, training behind them or they're very aware in that area that they've got good assistance around them, that they're not, that they, you know, it's like, it's not about just getting bums on seats. And I think that's a bit of a danger in this world. It's like people will just get any, anyone to sign up. I think going into spaces where there's a bit of um, a screening process, I, I, I screen everybody, you know, whatever you do with me, well if it's one-to-one, we'll have a, a good long conversation first to make sure it's a good fit. If it's one of my group programs, even if it's just a three-month group program with me, that's like one of my entry-level um programs, there's still a, a form I want you to fill in to tell me, you know, where you're at and whether there's anything that's fresh for you and making sure to make sure it's a good fit and that that I'm the best person to help you is um, I think this is really important. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah no thank you there's some really great stuff there and like you shared it's 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 it needs more digging than just Mm -hmm. a friend saying this has been amazing Mm -hmm. and also I say to people it may just not be for you to go to these workshops because I've had a lot of people feel I should have a yoni massage and I should be going to these workshops and actually it's just not for everybody either and it doesn't no. mean anything it's it's okay to to, yeah, to not totally. be in those spaces
1: yeah and this is it especially when it comes to yoni massage since you mentioned that like this is one area that where i would say and i i always get flack for saying this but i believe really work with a, a female practitioner first Rather, don't don't go and work with a, a dude because i, I question there's there's like one or two male practitioners in the world that I would like literally two I can think of that I would recommend um there's there's so much can go wrong when you're working with a male practitioner in that space and I question why men want to step into that work really (laughs) you know it's it's it can be very sticky so yeah and yeah and not everybody you don't yeah, it's not right for everybody and it's
0: okay if it's not if, yeah. if, if it's not right for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's like uh, I might want to go on holiday in Japan and somebody else doesn't. It's like yeah. we just all have different things, but when it comes to sex, it can feel like, oh, should I be in this yeah. place? And there's a lot more energy in charge with it. And I'm totally yeah. with you around um working with a female practitioner yeah. first. Yeah, Um, and it's a it's a a massive big thing to Mm -hmm. to go and do something like that and to feel ready and I think it all comes back to what you were saying earlier about trusting yourself if Mm -hmm. as well it's like if something doesn't feel right in these spaces when you're Mm -hmm. approaching them when you're talking to them when you're in them to really trust yourself with that
1: yeah yeah absolutely and listen to your no, like get to know your no as much as you get to know your, your yes like that's such an important work work in this in this world yeah I think I think that's a really good starting point is you know look for people who really know what they're talking about when it comes to consent as well yeah
0: yeah, yeah absolutely it's a it's a wild west out there it is <laughs> it
1: is yeah
0: yeah but but also there are some incredible people doing some incredible work and so it's finding the right space for you and there's so much more choice even to what there was five years ago absolutely
1: yeah Yeah. absolutely and the industry is shifting it is becoming more professional like if I look back say five five years seven years ten years we're it is shifting and it is becoming much there there is a a much more professional element and people are calling out the nonsense which is great that it's that it's it's being flagged so yeah
0: yeah absolutely absolutely thank you for sharing on that because it's such an important topic and you mentioned before sort of about the last couple of years some I'd love to I'm curious what you've seen in people the last couple of years in this area of their lives because obviously been such through unprecedented times and Mm. what sort of things have your clients been showing up with in relation to the last two years and I I asked this question because I I think so many people actually it was prompted by your post I saw just before this call Mm. about you know the impact that the last two years has had on people and you were looking at you know how that has been for yourself as well Mm. so I'd love you to share a little about that
1: yeah I mean I've seen yeah, it's been, an ama- it's been an amazing gift to be able to support people in the last two years and to help them stay in their bodies and process things and you know really kind of ground amongst the chaos as well. And including, I've had clients who are like one is a, an infectious diseases physician in Melbourne, so she was like so full on work wise. She was one of the first people who uh, who was responsible for setting up testing and labs and stuff in Australia and um, the pressure she was under and to be able to support her through all that was just really phenomenal you know to be able to give her tools to be able to become more resilient and to try and let go of some of that stress at the end of the day Uh, but everybody's got their own their own unique story of it and I've got clients at the moment who are just feeling so touch starved now you know having spent so much time without physical connection in the last two years and I include myself in that you know it's it's, if I had to really dig deep and resource in my own self-touch and pleasure you know particularly when restrictions were really really strong as well so yeah uh, and some people some people's relationships it brought them closer together other people it was like just shone a light on everything that wasn't working um and just this awareness of like well it really became clear very quickly that we can't can't just keep sweeping stuff under the carpet and pretending things okay everything's okay and going about our daily routines and thinking everything's going to be okay on default mode because yeah, we can't. I and mean, I think it's it it's made everybody question a lot of their assumptions about each other and about their own relationship to pleasure and relationships and connection um and intimacy and, and some people needing more space and <laughs> feeling really hemmed in and and stuff. And I had one client who um, Right at the start of the pandemic, we were already working together and then everything locked down in Australia and she, her and her partner suddenly found themselves both working from home side by side in this tiny apartment Um, and Intimacy was like this really weird, awkward thing that nobody wanted to initiate it and and they both felt really shy and, um, and that's why she was working with me. And then suddenly they're working together side by side all day long and not having that separation. And, and it could have completely gone sideways for them, but it was really lovely. Like they created these strategies to navigate being in that space together and they discovered that she discovered she through our work together she discovered that she liked to initiate and she liked to be the one who she, she'd jump on him in the middle of the day and they were you know they their intimacy went through the roof and they they became so much more stronger as a as a couple through that experience to the point that the last thing i knew they were trying for a baby um which was really really lovely so it's yeah, there's so many things, and for me, I think, for me, I'm really noticing how sensitive I am around people, or around noise, and crowds, and I went on a holiday last week, and suddenly being on a plane where nobody's wearing a mask, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> after the, what we've been told for the last two years, this is like, it's like whiplash, it's like, oh, okay, my whole system's got to readjust to this, and I'm not I haven't really caught up with this yet I'm still processing and I need to take my time um, and I think it's important that we do take our time
0: yeah um, absolutely because it's almost a feeling like for a lot of people that I've been working with like life's back to normal but they're not but it's in not normal, normal and it's not normal and there's no. this sort of out of them um, sort of things are out of sync
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah and it's we're not who we were before that's yeah. it the the really important thing yeah none of us are who we were before it's changed us in some weird and wonderful ways some of it for good and some of it maybe not so good but um definitely and I think it's important that we give ourselves some cut ourselves some slack and don't expect things to just go back to how they were it's like no we're all different and come out of this a bit battle weary or whatever you know we, we need to just be really compassionate with ourselves mm.
0: right. and, and you talk about i love the the phrase you talk about um fierce self-love
1: mm.
0: and i'd love to hear you share a little about what that means to you
1: mm. um and i mean that can show up in in many ways but i think it's in this in this world in this you know when you look at the systems of control that we have in society, you know, patriarchy, white supremacy, cis heteronormativity, all capitalism, all of these, all of these controlling systems that impact us in different ways and impact our bodies and impact our pleasure and how we, how we exist in the world. I, I really believe that loving ourselves is a is a radical act. Um, of empowerment and it's a, a fuck you I'm I'm gonna be myself and I'm gonna love myself regardless of how the magazines say my body should look or regardless of what the media's idea of being a woman is or a sexual being and you know particularly being in perimenopause I mean I think this is it's something that's so um strong it's like my body's changing on a daily basis almost (laughs) so there's like these constant new physical things I'm I'm kind of dealing with and it's like it's that commitment of like no no matter what I'm going to love myself and I'm going to love this version of me and I'm not going to try and cling on to some idealized version of the past or whatever else and it's it's just this coming back to how do things feel in my body my body, how does it, where can I find pleasure? And how can I claim pleasure for myself? And how can I put my needs first? And that is that is it's that's what I think fear self-love mm. is.
0: Yeah. That's big work. <laughs> like it you is, say it, it's radical work. <laughs> it
1: is, it is. It on some levels it's it, it's it's not it's not salt baths and candles although that they're really they're really important to me I love salt baths and candles but it's it's the deeper it's the deeper layers you know every time a voice comes into your head of of questioning something it's like well who says who says I can't who says I can't do that who says I can't go out and do this you know it's like being able to make those choices for for myself yeah yeah
0: yeah and especially you mentioned perimenopause Mm -hmm. so especially at perimenopause Mm -hmm. um so with perimenopause I'd love well a few questions I'd love to sort of because it's such a time for women when for many women it may be the first time in their lives they look at putting themselves first Mm -hmm. as things start to unravel and you know and you talked about pleasure and I know something else that we've talked about how important it is at this phase of life especially is rest yeah and um, relaxation time doing nothing time so mm. for someone listening whatever age they are if this sounds as something like uh, if, if, if there's somebody that's continually putting other people first or what would you say what would you what would you say are some first steps to start to readdress that balance
1: Mm, I'd say this is where getting to know your body really well is so so important so you can actually listen to the signals that are there uh, rather than just trying to keep pushing through because keep pushing through is fine in your 20s and 30s but the older we get the the more detrimental it is and I yeah it, it's such a big thing and so it's like really how can you tune in a little bit more and listen to uh, to what your body is telling you or perhaps screaming at you because <laughs> um, sometimes the body has to scream quite loudly if we're used to pushing through um, but I you know it's like the energy resources might not be there like we used to have previously and mm-hmm. and so yeah maybe we you know, it's like how can you start to create more space for yourself and um, for some people that's like yeah you know, it's like looking at the emotional costs and the mental load is a big one particularly for women particularly if you've got kids um you know how can you how can you get more support whether that's practical whether that's yeah. emotional whether it's just if the bathroom is your only safe place, can you spend more time in the bathroom and create that safe space for yourself and fill your own tank a little bit more? Um, and this all sounds like a cliche, but we need it. You know, We need time out um, because at this time of life, everything comes up to kind of be reassessed and examined and like, mm, is this working? Is this not? Can I keep doing this? <laughs> How much longer can I keep doing this? oh I'm feeling massively frazzled and unfulfilled and I don't want to be living the second half of my life like this it's like all these big the yeah. big fundamental questions come up as well and the challenge is like it becomes really overwhelming and just the confusion that can come up as well particularly if you're not sleeping well and all these kind of things so it's like just bring it back down to like really what works for me and what works for and a lot of my clients are around my age is like what are the baby steps what do i need right now in this moment what's the next thing i can do that's going to nourish me and is that you know is that doing some movement practice or some breath work or um and listening to something for 10 minutes you know something to just get your nervous system and create a bit more space in your system yeah. so that you're feeling less frazzled it, you know, whatever it is just like what are the little baby steps that you can implement that take five ten minutes a day that are going to help shift the balance a bit
0: yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah and also just for the people listening even that question what do I need right now can be a huge question
1: yeah
0: (laughs) such a scary question or an unknown question if it's not something you've been used to asking so sometimes it's just practicing that isn't it yeah just tuning into what I need and I love what you share about it just might be five minutes and it's those little baby steps that start to pattern interrupt the things that we have in place
1: absolutely because for
0: me it felt like sort of start this feels like a whole new operating systems coming online
1: yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) exactly and the old ones just not quite functioning like it like it should or it used to um and some some days for me it's like I just need to go and sit under a tree for 10 minutes and just rest against a tree and just feel (laughs) my feet on the ground and you know just get out get out in nature or go for a walk or just whatever it is but it's just like yeah interrupt that pattern and try and do something different and and it's a time to reassess where we've not been putting ourselves first and where where we're giving away our power our time our energy mm-hmm. um and i think it's these are these are the questions that that we have to ask ourselves if we want to you know do the second half of our lives well
0: um yeah yeah and it's, for, <laughs> it's huge and for women listening around pleasure and mm. perimenopause menopause because the the messaging around uh, a woman's sex life at this stage is not very positive in the main yeah, yeah. and so for, for 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 women listening who maybe their libido feels like it's crashed, their sex their sexual desires crashed mm. Um, or what however they're feeling if they're not feeling if they're feeling different around sex Mm. and pleasure what would you say to somebody listening
1: I think this is this is an opportunity to really explore Um, and as I said before you know if you do what you've always done you'll get what you've always got but then when we get to midlife it's like well the things I was doing are not doing what they should do anymore or what they were doing and I think there's so many layers to this because some can be physical and hormonal. Some of it is, is emotional and mental. And I think it's important to what I do with my clients is there's a lot of pulling things apart, slowing everything right down and finding new ways to come into the body so you can ask these questions and what feels good for me right now and it might mean that you need way more foreplay it might mean that you need to slow everything right down it might mean you need more lubrication it might mean that you know the way we had sex in our 20s doesn't serve you now and if it's any if you know i'll just talk from my own experience as i mentioned before a lot of that was drunken and just fast and furious and didn't really know what I liked, didn't know what I wanted. Um, there was a lot of overriding of my own system there unconsciously. And one of the, the so-called gifts of midlife is like, well, that, that way of work, I, I can't override that anymore. Body says no. That's, it's too painful or it's too dry or it's too sensitive. And the, you know, this slowing down is a chance to repattern that and to really rewire our relationship to pleasure in a way. And libido can change. It can change, it feels like it can change flavor. So it might that kind of igniting hot lust might not feel like it's there. It might be more of a slow, slow build, and that's okay. Um, and also when our energy levels are all over the place, if we're still being pulled in all these different directions and feeling frazzled, sexual energy is going to get used by the body as fuel for different things. So it's like, I think this is an important time to cultivate pleasure in many different areas as fuel, as medicine, as replenishment, um, and that's, rest is really important. So... Mm. There's a lot in there to, to work with, but it, it can be very, very empowering to do. And um, a lot of my clients are having more pleasure and the best sex they've ever had in their lives. Um, yeah. You know, I've got one of the women in my facilitator training is she's just turned 72 and she says her pussy is more juicy and alive than ever before and she's experienced her first cervical orgasm that went on for a couple of hours and um, there's another woman in one of my other programs who's 60 and she's just said like wow I'm discovering now for myself pleasure just for me she said finally at the age of 60 this is just for me and like this is awesome like that's what I'm here for you know it's like this is what brings me so much joy this is this is where the empowerment is so it's not like you know when when we when we look at you know the messages we get around menopause it's about we hear stories about vaginal you know all kinds of horrible things that I can't even say that atrophy is that is that how you pronounce it I I think so yeah yeah I'm just like am I pronouncing it right you know it's like there's so much fear around this and I think this is where the more we can really get connected to our own bodies and resource ourselves in self-pleasure and exploration it we're really doing ourselves a really good service here by keeping this part of us alive yeah
0: Um, yeah yeah absolutely and I I, because I've I've had from speaking to some women who are well into menopause, that I had an amazing conversation with this group of women. They were saying it was like what worked before didn't work, and mm. I think this is the point where so many women go, "Oh, it's not working," and
1: give up, yeah. and give
0: up because they don't have the the knowledge or the tools or the support mm. to, to to start again. And there's mm-hmm. no messages out there saying it's great, start from fresh and learn what yeah. works now. And I think that's what you've just shared is so important for women to hear. Yeah that this time is actually so rich for discovery Mm -hmm. and exploration and learning that can take you on a whole new trajectory of your pleasure and and likewise i have worked with many people who say they have the best sex of their life during menopause or friends who've said that and so let's that let these be the messages we get out to the world
1: absolutely yeah yeah absolutely
0: well that seems like a beautiful note to finish on (laughs) i'd love to hear from you to finish um, as this is the sexy life podcast what does living a sexy life mean to you
1: oh I love that question I'm just gonna feel that in my body and and oh yeah I think it's to me this is like using whatever opportunity I can to orient uh, I'm always asking like what feels good and I don't mean this in a frivolous way like pleasure is deeply empowering and essential to our well-being and so sexy life to me is like what brings me what makes me feel alive what makes me feel joyful what makes me feel turned on by life um and so for me that shows up as you know nature good connection with friends going out exploring things i have just had my first holiday overseas in two years and like oh my god just to be somewhere new i'd forgotten how much being somewhere new what that gives me you know just being able to wander around a new town and get lost (gasps) wow (laughs) you know it's things like this it's it's very much connected with the senses for me and and what makes my senses feel alive what lights me up what gives me energy and um joy
0: um yeah Mm. yeah gorgeous that's lovely thank you so much (laughs) and i'll put your uh, in the show notes, I'll put the links to your your various causes and trainings and different things. Uh, and where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, find me on my website, Mangala dot com. Um, on the homepage there, there is a free three part video series that you're welcome to to sign up for. It's called From Shutdown to Sensual Satisfaction. Um, so that's there on the home page um, so I'm most yeah you find me on my website and I'm most active on Facebook I do have Instagram as well but you're more likely to find me active on Facebook
0: yeah. you can put a link there as well that's yeah. wonderful thank yeah. you so much for your time it's been a real pleasure
1: oh, it's been awesome thank you <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast with me, Sarah Rose Bright. I support women and couples across the globe to truly enjoy sex and pleasure and to create or deepen intimate relationships that are passionate and purposeful, happy and healthy. And I'd love to support you. You can book a complimentary call via my website at sarahrosebright.com to find out if my approach is right for you. And check out my website for information about my one-to-one coaching programs and any current workshops, group programs and retreats that I'm running. Wherever and whenever you are listening, wishing you a beautiful day.